Well, hey, Guerrilla Social Workers and all fans of the podcast. This episode is brought to you by Alpha Counseling. Alpha Counseling and Treatment is the largest and most respected provider of forensic clinical psychotherapy for justice-involved clients in the state of Utah. Alpha Counseling specializes in providing evidence-based practices to individuals afflicted with a substance use disorder or those who have committed a sex crime. Alpha Counseling is composed of a group of clinical professionals dedicated to the effective treatment of our clients. Our clinical style focuses on exploring and resolving client ambivalence regarding their problems and centers on motivational processes within the individual that facilitate change. Ooh, sounds nice. Alpha Counseling takes pride in practicing only interventions proven to be effective at helping our clients navigate their way out of the criminal justice system and never coming back. Because honestly, that's the only thing that matters is are we keeping these guys out of prison and helping them no longer commit crimes? The foundation of our clinical program is based on the risk-need responsivity model for treating justice-involved clients. Uh, Please contact us today at 801-645-5455 or you can visit our website at utahsbesttherapy.com. This episode is also brought to you by Prime Polygraph Services. You know, have you you thought that your partner, your mate, your spouse, your your whatever is uh, acting a little different? Um, Maybe they're a little preoccupied with their phone, a little more private than usual. Maybe you think they're up to something with a little someone else kind of on the side, maybe. Or or maybe you have been accused of cheating or suspect your relationship partner thinks you're cheating. Well, you know, they have a saying in the polygraph world, and that is, in God we trust, everyone else we polygraph. Clear all that nonsense up with a relationship fidelity test to show your special someone that they have nothing to worry about or make your suspicious partner show you that they're telling the truth by contacting Prime Polygraph Services at 801 801- Eight one zero zero four nine zero. That's eight zero one eight one zero zero four nine zero, or prime polygraph at gmail dot com. That's p r m e p o l y g r a p h at gmail dot com. Our guests today are two lovely ladies, both in appearance and personality. Drew Richards and Natalie Strasner are, are started their very first addict-to-athlete chapter in Weber County and are both certified addict-to-athlete coaches. They have some inspiring stories about their struggles with addiction and how they are now reaching out to help others with their substance use disorders. They have a kickoff event at the beginning of next month, and we wanted to talk to them more about the addict-to-athlete program. We had a great conversation with both of them, and I'm very proud to have them on the podcast. Please welcome Drew Richards and Natalie Strasner. Okay, so now we're recording. And by the way, Drew and Natalie are super nervous, so everybody take it easy on her. Drew just barely said to Natalie, (laughs) right now, don't look at me. Because then she'll be laughing. Don't look at me, what if we laugh? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So they're looking for absolute perfection, so take it easy on whatever your comments are on social media. or. But I don't read the comments anyway. Do you ever read the comments? No, I don't read the comments. That's just, you're in for trouble. That's, dude, that's have you ever, smart. dude, have you ever exactly. noticed, like, when was the last time you actually wrote a comment? Like, re, like wrote a review? You guys, I have to be honest about something. Did you write one? Well, listen, 
So <laughs> I was going places and I didn't know my like Google location was on. So then it would be like, oh, leave a review here and then you can become like a local guide. And I'm like, oh, that'd be cool. <laughs> so, a local guide? Yeah. For what? <laughs> like McDonald's. <or> best. <laughs> <laughs> you're, all, you're all like, yeah. Well, here's here's the ball pit. <laughs> yeah. well, no, honestly, a local guide. Dealer. Like anywhere I'd go, they'd be like, oh, submit five photos, and you get like however many like stars. You've or done something. this before. I know you've done this before. Yeah. yeah, and then people started getting mad because they'd be like, oh, how come I searched for, you know, a certain place, and there's like a picture of us there. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I submitted it, but it'll move down the list soon. You know. Wait, Anyways, so, you don't really get anything out of it. They just call you a local guide. It's really not that cool. So were you writing, like, reviews on McDonald's? Yeah, and other places. I don't just go to McDonald's Tell us all what the time. <laughs> yeah, but, like, what? It depends on which one. <laughs> Hold on. Are there, so you know something about are there McDonald's that are better than others? Well, yeah. <laughs> Just, I, I guess, they're all the same, aren't they? You sound like a natural dude. Well, dude, that's like the, the Roy service, the Roy so. Betos is better than all the Betos. No, that's Rancheritos <laughs> is better than all Betos. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't know. I changed my mind on the Roy Betos. There are too many potatoes in their burritos. They cheat. Dude, you know what's really good is that place by your house, Paco's. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. That's a, yeah. that's a hidden gem, It dude. is. Right, right by, by that, that Chevron. Chevron. Oh, yeah. my goodness. It's so good. It's like, gem. no, wait, it really is. You'll wait a half an hour for a burrito, but it's right. worth it. Right. It, so if Paco's oh. is Target, then, like, Beto's and Rancheritos are Western family. That's the type of, okay. right? Fair enough. Yeah, there you go. We're going to okay. try Paco's. Yeah, we're going to Oh, go dude, there. it's good. It's like, it's way better. If there's there's so many better burritos. I just think they're so good. So. They've got one called the El Jefe, which I got because my name's Jeff. It is a $13 oh. burrito. The thing's is like big as my thigh. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, it's a legit free meal burrito. <laughs> there's half a baby yeah. in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Half. Yeah. <laughs> That's that's, the, that's their claim, though. Yeah. They all what kind of baby? Yeah, <laughs> that's like a factor as to whether you get it or not. You, like, you just say what kind of baby? Though no bueno. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Yeah. yeah, but then you still eat it. Oh, that's so, awesome. Yeah, dude. McDonald's reviews aside and burrito reviews aside. Uh, I'm gonna talk a little bit about this addict to athlete thing. Yeah, yeah. You going for us. well, and part of the idea for bringing these guys on. Well, so I was, um, well, the other day, you and I, because I had recently submitted proposals for federal stuff, this also go around, and it was cool because we finally had the opportunity to have peer supports this time and be able to have peer support groups and be able to say that, that that's happening because we kind of kind of got this. <laughs> Maybe explain what peer support means. So peer support, so peer support really is, uh, and they call them peer support specialists, by the Aww. way. But you guys, I think, are addict-to-athlete coaches, right? Correct. Which is way, that's way better, better, by the way. Peer support. support. Yeah, everything, I love how you add specialist to the end of something and all of a sudden it's got legitimacy. Mm. Like if you add director of, like if you say, like, what, if, no, if you say, what is it, director of this, it's not as legit as like, something specialist. Marketing director as director of marketing. Like marketing director sounds more legit, doesn't it? So it's like you just add something to the end of it. I don't know. I think so. I think so. But anyway, I like addict athlete coach. But so we were so basically a peer support specialist. In this case, an addict athlete coach is somebody who has, um, you know, initially. And I'll let you guys speak to this in a minute. But my understanding of it from a clinical side is that this is somebody who has 
they themselves dealt with problems with substance use disorders or addiction and has come through on the other end. And now part of part of the uh, the process is that you're kind of giving back to people who are still dealing with that. And um, that's that's essentially what you guys do, right? Correct. Okay. See, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so, but when this came up, dude, <laughs> so is when we were filling out the, because uh, Jeff and I stumbled onto a real gem, by the way, for all of the people listening to this. So we were we were having to submit license verifications oh, right. for all of our for all of our our therapists, right? And um, so Jeff and I, we have a really, um, I don't know, what would we call it? A trait or uh, a quality? What, what's, what is it? What are you going for? A feather in our hat as yeah, far yeah, as... A cap, I think. That's okay, the there you go. Cap. Okay, yeah. so <laughs> as a, when you're a clinical therapist, after you, after, oh, by the way, kids, if you, if you go to uh, your, you know, go through your master's program and graduate, that is not the end of the road. You have, after that, a clinical exam, and you also, once you pass your clinical exam, have to apply for licensure through whatever licensing board operates within your state. Did that, that clinical exam is like the single most stressful thing I've ever done in my life. And I mean, in hindsight, I feel a little silly for like how, how wound up I got. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't, I don't know when you took your exam. I, I took mine like two days after I graduated from, from the U. It would have been in, I guess, 2007. And I had a job that was waiting on me passing the test. And so, because I'd done my internship with the provider that was down at the halfway house in Ogden that we now have. And I'd, uh, so I'd, I'd, I'd gone elsewhere for my second year internship. And so it was about, uh, you know, maybe six months before graduation, I started studying, kind of just dipping my toes in the water. I didn't really have a, de- a date set, but then March comes around, graduate in May, March comes around, and uh, I get this job offer from my, you know, the, the former internship place, and they said, can you start now? I said, ah, no, I, I don't, I don't uh, finish until, until May. Can you hold the job for me? And they, says, they, they said, <laughs> uh, it, you, you need to be able to come on board by mid-May, otherwise we need to look elsewhere. So I I just started crushing the books. I mean, I, I was doing, like, hours of studying every day, taking practice tests, stressing myself out. I had myself convinced that, like, my my wife was going to leave me if I didn't pass. <laughs> like, I was going to be homeless. And, yeah, like, I legit had myself worked up. And so I was just, like, grinding, 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 like, study, 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 study. And, uh... Legit lost years off my life. You know, I, you know, I, I started some addictions that I shouldn't have. You know, it, it ended up passing it. Did did pretty well, and I think that's kind of where where this comes in. I, and I know you stressed yourself as well because you took it a couple of years after me. Yeah. Well, the re- the reason why was because so we're just really competitive. So um, he he took his test. And you got, what did you get? 81. 81. So I was like, all right, I got to beat that. Like, no matter what, no ifs, ands, or buts. I wasn't that stressed out about it. Like, I I was going to, like, as far as I couldn't pass it, I was just like, I I just want to beat him. So the last six months of my my schooling, 
I was just uh, all day or day, t- t- like study, 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 study. You have like, and, a, like a vision board of me in your room, just like <laughs> doing like push ups, looking at me with a number <laughs> yeah. one by it. Yeah. So <laughs> he's the one getting a divorce. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so then, yeah. so then I go into, so then I go into this and I study, 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 and then I go take my test. And what did I get, Jeff? I forget. It was an eighty-five. Everybody. Well, actually, it's, it's hard to so. So this is what was it, this is what was funny about this. So Jeff and I had always we thought that score was really high because anybody we talked to, you know, we hadn't. I don't know. We, it, it's just fun to throw that out there. What'd you get on your test? And ultimately, folks, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you got so long as you passed. That's all that really matters. It's like and, an academic. What do you bench? Right, right, right. It's just <laughs> and it's a silly. But but we're idiots and we're meathead idiots. So I mean, that's what we do. Now here's the here's the interesting thing about this though, is that after we did that, like I am absolutely one hundred percent surprised with how many people lied to us that's about crazy. their test scores. And here's what we found out. So as we're applying for these, uh, uh, like giving submissions for these proposals, we had to submit license verifications. And you could download those on Doppel at any time. They're five bucks each. And so like there's people that have talked to Jeff that said, yeah, I got a 90 or something Mm -hmm. like that, which is like that's crazy because that's super high, right? So we're like, hmm, okay, let's just see. Because we saw when we downloaded our own license verifications, it said our score on our clinical exam, which I was like, ooh, look at this. So then we looked it up, and there is not one person, not one, who, well, except for the people that just said, I don't know what I got. I don't care. I just passed, right? Right. Those are the only honest people. It's the ones that puffed their ego by right. trying to make sure they had a higher score than that 85. Right. So we would say 81, 85, and, and people would say, oh, yeah, I got 87 or 90-something. Mm. And every one of those people we verified and not one of those people broke the 80 barrier. Liars. Not even the 80 barrier, no, no. right? Liars. Liars. So Liars. if you're listening to this, you liar, liar, pants on fire. We know who you are. We know who you are. You know who you are. And I'm just saying you're probably going to hell. So there's uh, – yeah. So there's – there's you guys should just all know that ahead of time. And uh, be, just be honest about your clinical scores, right? Yeah. Did, yeah. yeah exactly. Have some integrity, bro. But anyway, that's not what we're here. So integrity farce. Okay. So uh, so Drew, Natalie, since you guys are super nervous, now we can kind of put you guys on the spot. So so yeah, tell us. I guess tell us a little bit about yourselves, addict athlete, and then we can uh, yeah we can talk about kind of whatever from there. So. Oh, Natalie. Yeah. Drew pointed at Natalie. So <laughs> she's first. I'm going first. There we go. So, I mean, what do you want to know? Start with your name. Yeah. Okay, so I'm Natalie Straysner. Actually, Whitney. I did get married. Oh, yeah. Haven't legally changed it Last Why are you... Dude... There's Why so are you so lazy? On. I don't know. Like Whitney's I, honestly, a way better last name than Straysner, by the way. Oh, no. I really don't have a legitimate <laughs> excuse, so I'm just not going to give one. Yeah. Like, laziness, I guess. Good for I just you. haven't Yeah, there yet. you go. So, okay. Yeah, that's what it so, is. So, what, what, why are you interested in this? We can make it like a formal interview process if that helps. Oh, okay. Why, why do you want to do this? So, why I want to do addicts to athletes? Mm-hmm. So, I struggled with addiction for about 10 years. And, um, I had, I went to five different rehabs, um, starting between the age of 19 and 24. And, um, I was on the street at one point, at several points, I guess. Um, I was panhandling, was homeless. I didn't have a phone. I didn't have a car. I didn't have a job. I didn't have anything to my name. And I would go to rehab and for some reason... I just could not stay clean. Um, 
the last time that I went in was was really a breaking point for me. I I knew that, so at the time I had convinced my parents to let me back in the house because that was not a thing. Uh, they did not want me near their stuff because I was one of those people who would take advantage of absolutely anything I could. You were selling their stuff or whatever. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I convinced them, like, if you can let me stay at the house, I have this place that I'm going to for treatment. Um, I need to, I just need a little bit of time because it was, it was one of those places, it was the women's retreat house. And they require that you call for a certain amount of time, you get on a wait list, and then you get in. So I just needed somewhere safe to stay. Um, I, I was kind of putting that off for quite some time. I was still getting high. I um, probably went about a month and a half there just lying to my parents, going back and forth, calling the retreat, getting bumped down on the list. Anyway. Um, my breaking point is when I convinced my dad to let me take his truck to an ex-boyfriend's house for some reason or the other. And like we all do, any little thing can throw us into a complete tailspin. And that's exactly what happened that night. And I remember leaving his house and I just completely broke down. It was in the beginning of January and it was like a blizzard outside. I swear there was two feet of snow in about... 30 minutes outside and I thought okay I better I, I better head home and I was heading home and all I could think about driving down this steep hill in South Ogden is um, I would be better off and everybody else would be better off if I just dro drove off the side of the off the side of the road and I, I knew that I wasn't going to do that but I felt like I didn't have another option I had tried treatment so many times um, and it hadn't worked, or I guess I hadn't worked it, however you want to you wanna say it. Um, I just felt like I was at a crossroads, and I just didn't know what to do. So being an addict, my first inclination is I need to get high um, to get rid of this feeling, because any uncomfortable feeling and dealing with life and all of it, you know, good things and bad things, consequences, I just didn't know how to deal with. So I got high for the last time. I had, a, I had an appointment at the retreat house the very next day, and I didn't realize until months and months later, but the only thing that was different in me going to this treatment compared to the last is I was willing to do absolutely anything it took to stay clean. Um, whereas before, I think I... I just I kind of half-assed things. I I mean I would I would go to meetings and I would I would do step work. I, I chose AA and that and that's what I was doing at the time and um, I would do all those things. But there were a few things that I wouldn't give up. I wouldn't give up my best friend, and that, that was a toxic relationship. And I wouldn't give up the ex-boyfriend or the the boyfriend that was clean at the time for a minute maybe, but he was still toxic. I just had those certain things that I was not willing to give up. He was super hot though, right? No. Jeez. Oh. <laughs> he, he was an addict too. Sorry, bro. I mean, I mean at, the, at the time it was like, oh, this person that I'm with is like, you know, I mean, you're in that craziness and you need somebody else in that craziness with you. And, and he felt like a my partner in crime, but it was just extremely toxic. And... So I, I feel like that the major shift at the end was 
anything that they tell me to do. No questions asked, no matter how much I hate it, and I hated a lot of things that they asked me to do, I'm just going to do it. Because I have no other options, and I'm basically scared shitless to, to go back to what I was doing. So that's kind of how the recovery, you know, started So, so like beforehand, you'd kind of given yourself... I mean, you, you were still doing it in the previous recoveries. Like, you were going to group. You were, you know, you were knuckling down, doing your work, probably, you know, assignments or whatever they had you working on. But just kind of those things that, I don't know, they're, they're comfortable to you, to you, right? Like, you're, you know, your best friend, your your boyfriend at the time, like, those are those are comforts. And it's, you know, and it, it can be tough to give those things up. So did, did you, like, recognize in the in the moment like okay you know what this is it i'm willing to do whatever or or did it just kind of that was that just sort of was like your attitude and it manifested through recovery and and you did what you needed to do uh as those choices came along like i guess was it like a like a like a like a focal point that it hinged off and you, re you remember like having that like, so, I mean, sort of, like sometimes some people call it like that burning bush moment yeah. or whatever. I mean, yes, I, I think I had several of those in like the first, I don't know, I, I don't know, even in the first year, year and a half, but there were some significant ones in the first three months that I stayed up at the retreat. And the one specifically that you asked, I, so I was in the retreat house for 10 days before I even dared call my sponsor. Because I had a sponsor from previous, and I knew that I wanted to have her be my sponsor again, but I was I was so scared to ask her again. I thought she was going to tell me no, and that, like, I don't know. I, I had been in and out of the room so many times, I thought I was just going to be shunned. So my fear of being turned down and feeling hopeless just again... And, and being, you know, I'm trying to do well, but I did not want to, you know, it just, it was just a really hard thing for me to do. But I finally, because in order to stay in the place, you have to have a sponsor and be actively working. So after about 10 days of badgering from the managers, I finally called her. She welcomed me with nothing but love and open arms and support. And absolutely, I'll be up there to meet you tomorrow. And, um... Our first conversation that we had was basically her saying, I want you to forget everything you think you know about this program. Because I, w I was one of those people, and I, I would go to meetings, even, even after I started getting high again, I would go to meetings, and I could quote the book and the literature, and I could make things sound really good, yeah. And but I was full of crap. I mean, I was getting high, and... I think everybody knew it, and I thought that I, I knew all the principles, and like I had done all this already, and it wasn't working for me, and that was a huge moment for me when she said, forget everything you think you know about recovery, because basically you don't know anything. So at that moment, I promised her I would do anything that she told me to do. So it, it, it really was within, you know, five minutes time, a five minute conversation, and I remember going back to my room after that meeting and just thinking, what did I get myself into? Um, because I was scared about what she was going to have me do. And, um, yeah, it just kind of snowballed from there. So. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I mean, so in your case, like there's a, there's kind of a, um, 
there's a, I don't know, is that a saying in AA and whatnot? Like you have to hit rock bottom or something like that? I know I've heard that. Like a lot of the clinical stuff that I, I go through when I'm teaching groups is like rock bottom is just a concept, you know, right. that, that you kind of define for yourself. And so um, waiting for that to happen is just kind of, you're prolonging, a, like it, it's almost like a, a mental gymnastics to kind of avoid that, I got to get my shit together, man, and make some changes, right? right. So people, they, they kind of use that as a cognitive distortion that I, eh, it's not as bad as Jimmy, you know, Jesus, Jimmy, you know, I saw him. Uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> Poor Jimmy. Man, I saw him in the gutter and pissed on him. Man. <laughs> Sorry, Jimmy. <laughs> obviously, obviously, you weren't good looking enough for Natalie, but anyway. <laughs> Jimmy. <laughs> <That's>, so, <laughs> so, wow, that is his name. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, we, so we discourage that kind of thought. Although, what I, what I would say is, is, I think cognitively that can be really powerful if you've reached a point where you're like, enough is enough, I really have to make some changes. Now, I don't know if that's a rock-bottom moment so much as, um, you know, the constellation of events come into place where you just kind of snap into it and say, I got to do it, right? Is that is that kind of what happened in your case? Yeah, yeah, I do believe, and, and I think that it's um, taken out of context a lot, mm-hmm. hearing that you got to hit rock-bottom, oh. because... Yeah, so many people will go in and be like, well, I wasn't that bad. And they almost use it as an excuse mm-hmm. to, like, relapse. Like, oh, that, yeah. there's my out. And that's not that's not how it's portrayed. Mm-hmm. Um, rock bottom, I think, is different for everybody. And that can be, or like, rock bottom for somebody can be not nearly as severe as other people. Um, I mean, I've, I've heard stories from other people and they've gone through way worse than I have and then I've heard other people where they haven't gone through as much but it was just their time and their point and their tipping point I mean I I just think everybody is different and has their own view of that and you know mainly it's the this the brokenness that you feel inside Mm -hmm. and that can be a lot for some people and that can be a little for some people to feel like that they're just completely empty and a you know a shell of a person so i i really do think that that's taken out of context a lot and it sounds like you thought you were at that point when you were driving home having that that suicidal thought you know like it i mean just kind of based on the way you described it it sounds like you were in that that frame of mind uh i'm broken i it's it, it I've tried recovery, hasn't worked. I've tried yeah. using drugs, it doesn't work. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, it did stop working for me. I, And it's hard because looking back, all of the times that I went to treatment, besides the first one, the first one was a little bit like, well, my parents are going to kick me out and I'm going to be homeless or I can go to treatment, sure. you know, mm-hmm. ultimatum. But all of the other times, I was already homeless. I was already stealing. I was already doing all of these things. And... I really thought when I, I, I would ask for help and I really believed like I was ready. This is it. I can't take this anymore. And then I would go to treatment and then I would be high right when I got out or mm-hmm. sometimes during. Um, and I just couldn't figure it out. And looking back on it and, and every single time, the times leading up to that very last one, I was ready because my circumstances were horrible. Mm -hmm. I I was living 
I didn't know where I was going to be living a lot of the time. Um, we were sneaking into houses or a house in particular to just have somewhere to sleep and shower and then get out before anybody noticed. Again, no job, no car, no phone. I was not a functioning addict. Like was it some, a sweet ass house though? It no. No. <laughs> no. It was you a don't little like tiny house. Break into some Shadow Valley house or something. No. Well, we <laughs> didn't break in. Like it was, it was my boyfriend's dad's house, but he lived in Florida. Oh, okay. And oh, so, yeah. but we weren't allowed to be there. But we would break in there. Basically, we knew how to sneak in. Yeah. To sleep there and shower and yeah. then get out before any of the family members would show up to yeah. check to see if we were lurking <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, around. Yeah. You know what they say about Florida. What happens in Florida, you probably die from coronavirus. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's that's not what's said. I <laughs> yeah. Before so, you... Anyway. Like, well, I was just going to say, like, uh, it's awesome that you're you know, able to just that I got well, I guess that whole you know, bounced back and it's uh, pretty badass. Okay. You know, and uh, but I was gonna say before we I guess jumped into the like I don't know if Drew if you wanted to. Yeah, Drew, no, beat that. I can't beat that. <laughs> that was, that was Speaking yeah. of competitions, yeah, yeah. No, I but that that is I think it's kind of I mean it's good to see though that like because I've always been. Like when you're talking about going in and out of, of rehab and kind of doing that, that and I, I think that you, unless you're, you know, it, it kind of goes back to that thing we talked about before, like clean days, you know, clean days are, are one thing, but even if I am in rehab, but I'm not really making any cognitive changes or I'm not making any behavioral changes or lifestyle changes, well, you're not really, those clean days are, are relatively meaningless mm-hmm. at that point because you're saying, if I get out and I just start using immediately, oh, for what sure. really have you made changes on? Well, so right. kind of like, in, in or if you're still a bad person when you come out or still in a toxic yeah. relationship. Yeah, if you're yeah, still your boyfriend is clean, right? Your boyfriend is clean. For but, moments. But, but he was toxic, though. Absolutely. Yeah, that's the thing. It's yeah. like, it, the, those, I love toxic. Those... <laughs> I just keep like picturing the toxic adve- Avenger. <laughs> He's literally like, if you touch him, your hand melts or something. Oh, I was, like, like, oh, I was being literal. Yeah, yeah. She's all no. He literally his skin was falling off. He was toxic, dude. So Drew, why do you want to do this? What, yeah. What's your interest in this addict athlete venture? Oh my gosh, you guys! What? Sorry, I'm just so nervous. Yeah, don't be nervous. You're still nervous, you dweeb. I don't know. For me personally, I think it helps me to do service work. So I think it'll also like help hold me accountable. Um, and doing good in my life and wanting to improve myself and where I'm at. Um, just like helping other people. And I feel like with my experiences and being through a lot, um, I feel like I can relate and I can, I don't know, just understand and be there to support and love. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Well, like, did you... Yeah. Did you, I guess... <laughs> yeah. This, so, so, um, because... I think you're like what what you kind of went through is a little bit different than what Natalie had gone through because she she's describing a lot of um, having a sponsor and, and going through women's retreat house which is super helpful. Is that still up and running? Yeah, they just moved oh, to okay. a different location, but yes. Oh, so. okay, yeah. yeah. So, um, um, but yeah, like I guess what made the big difference for you as far as the stuff to kind of get it together and and move in that direction. Um, so for me, I've always had an amazing support system, and when I was using, I would remove myself from that because 
I feel like I didn't want to let people down or hurt their feelings because everybody around me was so amazing and always had my back no matter what. Um, so I think I just decided to change when I need to like use those resources and like reach out to the people who do love me. Um, yeah, like, I don't know. Like I didn't have a sponsor, um, but I did like the Matrix program at Weber Human Services. I had a really good therapist there. Um, and now, like, just in my workplaces, like, everybody kind of knows my situation. Supportive there. Just, like, my family, my friends. I just choose to surround myself with people who know my goals and know what I want for my future and make sure that they're going to hold me to that and, like, help me. So you feel like get get, getting into, like, a like a, a service to others type venture is like an additional step towards that recovery then. Yeah. Yeah. Have you, have you I, don't, I don't know, have you done anything like that before? No. Is it, okay. No. So I did, well, hold on. She was a, she was a, a, a guide for McDonald's. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's so, yeah. She had done plenty of service <laughs> and it led, and yeah, and it led to her addiction. So <laughs> you knew they were going to like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, I know. I don't know why I said McDonald's. <laughs> yeah. But like your, but uh, I guess McDonald's guide work aside, like have you done any like service work and stuff? This is your first time kind no, of jumping yeah, into it. Yeah. Like I've never sponsored anybody or anything like that. So I think it'd be really good. Yeah, so I'm really excited. Yeah, I appreciate you both kind of uh, chiming in. Like Mesa, I don't know if you do. You want to lay out a little bit of what addict athlete is? And well, yeah. So, so it, it's um, so one of the things that that kind of came to this to our attention on this was Jeff and I. We've always kind of, and this is just, I guess, the dumb meathead side of us is we've always tried to pair up um, exercise with our with our mental health, right? We just try to say there's got to be something there to, to kind of help with that. And, um, and it, whether it's the primary intervention or an adjunct to what we're already doing. Right. And, um, so, I mean, there've been plenty of peer support things. There, there's a lot of them out there that do, that do a great job. Um, the addict to athlete one, I mean, it has kind of a cool name in and of itself, but how I kind of stumbled onto them was I was running a, I was running a race, um, called the, it's called the Kachina Mosa. Hopefully I'm not butchering that. And it's uh, on a mountain in Springville. So it's a, it's a hundred K, which is 62, oh. yeah, 62 miles. Oh. So and give you know, give or take. Lord. Um, and during the, tr- during my training on that, I, I, um, I had hurt my back a couple times. And, um, so I was, as I was getting there, I probably got to mile, I think, I don't know. What did I, I can't remember what I told you. So I got mile 18, 19, somewhere around there. And my back was just throbbing. And they, so I got to a part where um, you get down and they have aid stations throughout this, right? So you don't really have to worry about this. But when I was, uh, when I got to this one aid station, I just said, man, I don't know if I can keep going. This is really, and everybody was super cool. You know, the guys were all there. But they told me that if I kept going, that um, it would be significantly more difficult to kind of pull out of it because so if I'm only 20 miles in, that I still have 40 miles to go, which is obviously a long way to run. Um, and but beyond that, the, the only way to get in there is like through horseback and stuff and four wheelers. So they were saying, look, if you can chill out and wait for a minute, we can give you a ride. So those guys were all um, addict athlete guys. They were all there in in Orem. And did you uh, know who they were at the time? 
No, I didn't know anything okay. about them. So they started asking, of course, you know, normal chit chat. You know, what do you do for a living? Right. So I told them at the time that I was I was one of the clinical supervisors at Weber Human Services and uh, focused on substance use. And then they, you know, opened up and all started telling me that they were out of And then they started telling me about their program, and I was like, oh wow. That sounds pretty awesome. So at the time, I was trying to, one way or another, get, um, like, see what we could do about getting them up here. Because one thing I noticed was there was not a Weber chapter that was that was open. You know, there was it was there was a lot down in kind of central and in Salt Lake, but nothing um, in Weber County. Weber County has, you know, a, a horrible methamphetamine and heroin problem, opiate problem, you know, in this, in this county. So I was like, well, yeah, we need something here for that. And this would be a good alternative for a lot of guys. There's so many, uh, so many of my my clients that I work with that just said, "Man, you know, I I, I like these sessions, but I'd be like, it'd be nice if we just like go to the gym or something." Which I I know is total dude stuff, but but I mean, I was like, yeah, that'd be nice. And anytime I brought that up, it was like, no, 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 yeah, that's not, you know, an evidence based intervention or something like that. And well, I was like, yeah, whatever. I mean, I you know what, it, I don't want to obviously do what I'm not supposed to do. But as an adjunct, I thought that would be a really good way to go about that. So um, I think I just kind of looked them up and put a bug in Drew's ear, Natalie's ear, and seen if they, what their, gauge their interest. And now, now you guys are full-on coaches. So, but I don't know. I'm not a good representation of addict-athletes because, but that's you guys, right? What, 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 what is, so tell us a little bit about what addict-athlete is, kind of their philosophy what you as coaches would do to offer to somebody who's coming in and saying, I need help. Okay. So, um, Addict to Athlete is an action-oriented recovery program, and it's really for anybody suffering with addiction. Um, it's not specific to alcohol or even drugs necessarily. Um, so it's quite open, which is great. Um, but it's also open to the community. So it's also open to family members and to people a part of the community who have been affected by addiction. Um, for the most part, um, it's, it's about meetings and getting active. I, I think that so many of us new into recovery, it's really easy to find like a new addiction, especially with like food. <laughs> And a lot of us struggle with weight gain after after we get into recovery. And I'm going to have Drew speak on this a little bit too because. Um, Wait, are you are you throwing shade there? No, no, no. no. Just because I get fat, Natalie. No, because Drew knows way more about weight gain. You guys are jerks. I'm having Drew because I'm not going to do all the talking. It was just funny how it rolled out there. Absolutely. I apologize. That's awesome. We all all deal with it and it can be quite a struggle, but I don't know. Yeah. No, that's. No, that's true, and yes, weight gain is one of my triggers, okay, but, like, I remember being in one of my groups at Weber Human Services, and I was starting to gain weight, I think I'd been clean almost a year, and um, I was just talking about it and sharing it, and then the lady was like, like, the therapist running the group was like, well, it's okay because you're clean, so you're healthy, so that's fine, but Uh. I think with this, it's also showing that, like, we want to help people learn like good ways to eat and like just be good to your body all around well yeah like you know what i mean i love like what a gross response like totally invalidating where she's coming from like like i mean if it's so 
whatever your opinion on that is, is whatever your opinion is, but like, I swear, it's like, no, actually, you're clean and healthy, sis. <laughs> It's like okay, well, so is that more about you or is it more about me? It's like what are you, what are you talking about here? So, yeah, that's uh, but so you're kind of saying like, um, if that's a trigger, it's a trigger, the end, and and um, if you if you want to have like, if that's tied to a certain type of way you want to live your life, well then who cares? So long as it's you know, so long as like you're saying, you can be healthy with it. Yeah. Yeah. But but look, like, being. I guess recovery is more, it, it's not just like the absence of a chemical in your body, you know, and so when, like, I guess the response of, well, you're clean anyway, it's like, okay, well, yeah, you don't currently have a drug in your system, but, you know, the the same way that, you know, you were bringing up that your boyfriend was clean at the time, but he was super toxic, I mean, if you're, if you're not, if you're not feeling good about yourself, toxic Avenger, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. If, <laughs> if you're, if you're not feeling good about yourself, you know, and and you've uh, you've noticed that you're maybe you don't you know you don't you don't feel as good, and maybe you aren't liking what you see in the mirror. And if you're recognizing that that's a trigger, and I mean, so this you know action oriented, I think is the phrase that that you use. It's it, it's about I guess creating a lifestyle, actually getting out, getting moving. I don't know about you, I, yeah, like, I feel sure. way better when I've had some form of physical activity, and like for me, it's daily i need to have some type of like physical exertion if not you know i I get cranky you know i i i don't get as much done so you know even like taking time out in the middle of the day to get a workout in or whatever i'm i'm more productive the rest of the day Mm -hmm. so it ends up being like it it supplements other areas of your life and i think that's maybe what you were trying to hopefully open the door up to having that that conversation yeah you know and and uh maybe have some type of option in terms of, you know, I guess, getting into shape, taking care of yourself. And, you know, uh, like addicts that, you know, they, they, they clean up and then they notice that they have some weight gain. They, like, if not pointed in the right direction, they might go about trying to solve that weight gain in unhealthy ways, you know, mm-hmm. like yeah. eating disorders. Uh, relapse, I mean, like, Absolutely. meth is awesome for getting you cut up, but, like, your teeth go too, right, you know? It, you know what I'm saying? Like, it, yeah, it, yeah. yeah, like, horrible things. Yeah. Like, Y'all, yeah. damn, son, how yeah. can you lose all that weight? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, think yeah. You, I think you hit it right on the head by saying it's a lifestyle change. It's, it's not just about removing the chemical. And this is by no means a weight loss program, and that's, you know, but, but that is Good. definitely... Um, it's a lifestyle and and like you said like you need some sort of exercise every day to feel good and a lot of people do I mean addicts in recovery still struggle with mental illness a lot of the time like a lot of the time there's anxiety there's depression there's bipolar all of these things that are on top of of their addiction and they're they're trying to get over that and then they're they're trying to just feel good and a lot of the time that's with food and the wrong kinds of food and they're not getting the right chemicals in their brain that being active gives you. Like, so that's that's an interesting point because, like, you mentioned the the comorbidity, right? You know, the the mental health stuff that comes up along with the addiction. And I mean, like, tell me that a big reason for using for a lot of people isn't to cover up that anxiety, the depression, the trauma, whatever sure. it is that you've been through. And so, yeah, the absence of the chemical, you're clean, but but a lot of those 
uh, you know, the depression and the anxiety, trauma, that, that shit comes screaming to the surface. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, yeah that, and look, food is great for it's killing funny. stress in the short term. Like, I'll knock out a sleeve of Oreo cookies, <laughs> no problem. And it, like, no. Uh, yeah. I, I, Are you five? I, I, they, all right, Sour Patch Kids. I man. know. Yeah, <laughs> like, they, they, yeah, got crap on my diet coming from the guy that... Coke Zero and Sour Patch Kids is how you sub uh, well. peanut butter M&M's too. I know you. But, but, but no, yeah, it's, uh, I, I noticed that I, I definitely binge on that kind of crap when I've got like more stuff going on in my life. So, yeah, the, the lifestyle change piece is, is huge. And, I mean, what, I guess for either of you to answer, like why... Like, why exercise? Why, you know, a fitness? Like, what, what is it about that that appeals to you as a method for lifestyle change and helping shore up some of those mental health problems? I mean, just like you said, for you, like, it helps you in your whole day with all the other aspects in your life. Um, for me, it just feels good. And then also, I don't know, I just feel, me personally, I feel better when I'm productive. And for me, that's something that I feel like it's good for my body, so it's good for me. It's gonna keep me productive and other things. Like get up and like go on a run or go work out. Like I'm already up for my day, and then I just keep going. So you, you know? start your morning out with it. Um, when like, I'm doing good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, is that way? Well, it doesn't matter I mean, as long as you're doing it. But but you're saying that like you get you get a run out of the way and. <laughs> What's your, what are you laughing at? What did I miss? What? I, I, I was just sitting there, just listening. With, with his judgmental eyes. Yeah. I, I'm not even looking at yeah. her. But, but you, you get an, uh, an exercise out of the way, and you feel like you accomplished something, right? Yeah. And it's one of those things, like, you probably don't, you're not always, like, raring to go and start running first thing in the morning. Like, you're probably like, God, I don't want to run today. I don't want to do it today, but you... You freaking you make yourself, and then you're always glad you did afterwards, yes. and that's how you feel productive. And then yeah, then you kick ass the rest of the day. Right. Well, and the one thing I think, okay, so um, you, now they, their their motto is a race and replace, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so the the one thing I wanted to like kind of go over with this, and, and so some people they uh, there's a uh, I guess a critique sometimes of this stuff is that you know you're you're just training trading one addiction for another. Like, people will say that kind of stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. And they kind of talk about that usually when it comes to, like, medication-assisted treatment, whether that's, like, Suboxone or or, or uh, uh, Methadone or whatever. Now, okay, obviously those have mood-altering effects. But then they, they – similarly, like, you'll see an uptick sometimes with – I just remember running a lot of my groups and people would come to groups and they'd be just eating gobs of candy, right? Yeah. And now there's something to that because – like when I'm thinking, I usually kind of think about it almost on a level of if you have a, a compulsive component to your personality that I think one way or another you need to address that. Like I don't know if that's going to go anywhere anytime soon because it's part of your personality. And I think that's what contributed to the addiction. So in a lot of cases, like just statistically, I was kind of pulling some stuff up here as we were talking. And just so for a lot of folks who are listening to this, like if you ever wonder, okay, how many people? So the uh, National Institute on Alcohol Abuse, Alcoholism, and then the um, National Institute on Drug uh, Drug Abuse, they they kind of estimate this to be about four percent of Americans uh, met criteria for a drug use disorder in the in the in a year. But then ten percent have had a drug use disorder at some point in their lives. So 
I mean, most people for the you know will use a drug. They'll they'll say, oh, that's fun, and then they'll walk away from it. Mm-hmm. And then there's folks that can do that, and it affects them way differently, way differently right. to the degree that that it becomes a problem. So that small fraction of a percentage of people, what I'd say is, okay, well, that part of them, I don't know if that's going to change. I don't know if that's going to change. Like you're just going to be able to get rid of that part of yourself. No, and and I think that that just that short phrase, erase and replace, and not reading a little further into it mm-hmm. can can definitely trigger like those responses. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's about erasing like I, I don't think it's about <clears throat> minimizing and I don't think it's about um like, trying to find another addiction. It's like forget about it and just do push ups. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, I never yeah. thought of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's more about we can I mean, we would spend our entire day, and it turned into months and years, like, the, our lives were centered around our addiction. And it wasn't just about the actual using. It was about getting it. It was about hiding it. It was about lying about it. It was about the process of doing it. And I think that, I mean, that consumption of whole life, it, it really does kind of go back to a lifestyle change and doing it in a healthy way. So replacing it with healthy things not to say, you know, that working out can't be an addiction because it absolutely can. Right. But with addicts to athletes, I mean, that's that's part of it too. Is there's it's not we don't just go out and work out. We have meetings and and little lessons that we do, and and it is about balance. And it is and everybody is struggling new into recovery about how do I balance work and my family and exercise and eating well and and enjoying my life and, and there's so many things and no none of us know how to do it mm-hmm. and so yeah so yeah it's replacing it's replacing what you, it, it's erasing a lifestyle that's compatible with drug use and replacing that with a lifestyle that's incompatible with drug use right. which exercise seems to be a huge component of that yeah like I mean and and so it's not just about ex- because that's the one thing I, I would say, if I was in, if I was listening to this, I might be super intimidated if I've never exercised in my life. Right? And see, that's the thing is like it, it, it's absolutely for everybody, and and yeah. the the athlete part of it isn't about you need to be at a certain place physically to, to be a part of this. It's all all of the the workout stuff and the activities are tailored for. Anybody at any point. What happens yeah. if you miss a workout? Like what? Nothing, right? I mean, no, yeah. absolutely, no. It, it's but at the same time with having the meeting. Jimmy comes over to your house. Yeah. <laughs> we don't like Jimmy. Yeah. Jimmy's not invited. Um, I think that with addicts to athletes, I think is so great because you can tell people to work out and it's healthy for you all day long. But it's just something to be accountable for. And, and as addicts, we, we need the accountability in life in general for something because we were not accountable ever. Yeah. And being held responsible, I don't want to say responsible in this particular aspect, but you start to form a community and people rely on you and they want you to be there. And in turn, you want to be there because you're... You, you've built friendships and relationships with other people in this community that can relate to you and you start having similar goals and whether it's about workout or work or whatever it may be. So I, I love that aspect of the accountability. It, that is cool because I think on a, like a micro level, maybe just our own experience with that. So I think about like how accountable, like when we're running Ragnars, so like a Ragnar relay, if you guys haven't ever done that, you should give it a shot. But, uh, like whenever we've done that, 
what I've thought about that is is like how accountable you are to your teammates. You know, like I want to finish this run because I know that they're at the next checkpoint and somebody's getting ready for their run. And well, and my mind is like, oh, those dudes are talking shit on me. I, you know, so my mind's in Crazyville. But I mean, I, I still don't want to let you guys down, though. You know Dude, what I mean? It even starts before that, man. It's not just on race day. Like it's preparation. Uh, it is oh, preparation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like, typically Ragnar is in June, and what what inevitably ends up happening is I'll get uh, an email or a text from Mace along with whoever else is going to be on the team saying like. Ragnar signing up and for me like I'm not a big runner and stuff so for me it's like ah but it's like you know what uh, by the way it's an absolute blast but when I first get that initial message it's always like oh god because I'm I'm not in running shape at the time I get that and but like the last thing I want to do is feel like I let my team down and so I'll I'll train you know I'll get out on the on the trail in the winter and and run no, no way in hell I'd do that if I didn't have people to be accountable to. You would not catch me running in the winter doing like at all, you know. And and so it makes you know it, it puts me in a position to where I have to look up training schedules. And it, when I and to 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 your point about it being a lifestyle change, okay, now I've got a training schedule. Okay, well, let's see. I've got to get a you know a five mile run in on this day. Well, I've got a lot of stuff to do that day. When am I going to do it? So it gets me thinking about planning my schedule and and and. Kind up with like okay rest and recovery okay well i need to make sure i'm fueling myself right i need to make sure that i'm in and so like all these different things that i do in preparation for this race is clear in june um i a lot of my lifestyle changes in a really healthy way um just from day-to-day planning problem solving you know it, it it fills up you know unstructured free time and i mean like all that stuff's like uh perfect for folks suffering from addiction you know and, or trying to work through it i think that sh- i think yeah. that shift in thinking too because like i mean when i'm thinking about that like if i ever think you know i, I mean th- the worst i do nowadays is drink beer every now and then right but like if i'm thinking about should i have a beer or should i not i'm always thinking about god i gotta get up early tomorrow yeah. to work it so i think that perspective change is again that, that moves it in I, I would just, I have no idea what this would be like, but if every day I left my house and I thought, God, how can I not use drugs today? Holy shit, that'd be overwhelming. Right. Like that would be the worst thing. Ever. Like, so I think if you're moving it towards, well, I got this race coming up, or I got this event coming up, or I got this, and I'm dedicated to that, that seems way more positive in your life, and it's still that's leading a lifestyle that's incompatible with the drug use. For like sure. that's that's why I think because the, the one thing is is I think drug use gets a bad rap and like a lot of times the the genetic component of that kind of where not that you're preordained to do this it's kind of like um like heart disease you know but I was kind of looking on here like the uh again the National Institute of Drug Drug Abuses genetics including the impact of one's environment on gene expression account for about 40 to 60% of a person's risk of addiction, which is Whoa. which is identical, by lot. the way, that's identical to uh, heart disease. But So that doesn't mean that 40 to 60% of everybody's, like, right. the, uh, people who have that, that genetic predisposition are now going to become addicted. Similarly, anybody who has that genetic predisposition for heart disease, it's not like they just have heart attack. Well, thing is, you, you I think recognizing that and adjusting your life accordingly is what you need to do. And people make behavioral adjustments so they don't die from heart attacks, just like you guys may, are talking about an action-oriented behavioral adjustment to no longer be prone to addiction, yeah. like, which is, sure. I kind of think, what we really like. And the research, honestly, backs it up. There's um, 
uh, I know this is probably the boring part, but it, from a clinical end of this, I know a lot of people will say, oh, no, you can't mix that in there. Well, there was a, like, you can't, so traditional talk therapy, like Drew was talking about Matrix program, which is an awesome program, by the way. Um, intensive outpatient, she, you know, there was, that would involve um, an early recovery skills course, which was an hour. Immediately thereafter, an hour and a half long relapse prevention course, and that's, uh, you know, at the beginning of the week. In the middle of the week, you'd have a family education component, which was an hour and a half. And then towards the end of the week, you'd have the relapse prevention and early recovery all over again. Also meeting with your individual therapist in the meantime. And you, you don't ever go more than 72 hours without meeting with a clinical professional. Now, if you just hold tight to that, that's really hard to, to be you know, using when you're constantly getting feedback, right? So part of that is the content is awesome, but also the frequency at which it's done is also really good too. And they have plenty, plenty, plenty of research to support that. Now, there's other evidence-based practices, um, you know, uh, cognitive behavioral interventions uh, for substance use disorders from uh, UCCI. There, there's plenty of them out there that, that are able to show, hey, this is this is what's effective. But I think if you're strictly from a clinical side and you're looking at talk therapy only, you're not taking into account this action-oriented thing. So if you just come into my office and we chat it up for 53 minutes or whatever the designation is for session times, and then I see you later, and then off you go, do this the next week. Okay, that's wonderful, but like this other stuff is you got to take into account, well, there's other things that could that could help with this too. So there was a, this was the, the title of the study, this was from PubMed. Impact of physical exercise on substance use disorders, and this was a meta-analysis, your favorite word in the world. meta-analysis. <laughs> so, so... Um, a study of studies. Yeah, there you go. It's a study of studies. So, basically, the goal was to examine whether long-term physical exercise could be potential, uh, potential effective on treatment for substance use disorders. Um, so, this was the PubMed Web of Science, something I can't pronounce, and then China... They, they searched randomized control trials, and so those are you know, pretty much the gold standard when it comes to single-study things that, we're, that they're going through, and then they put those all together in regards to the effects of physical uh, exercise and substance use disorders. And this was between the years of 1990 and 2013, and they looked at four main outcomes, which was abstinence rate, withdrawal symptoms, anxiety, and depression. And so of the 22 studies that were put into this meta-analysis, they, they said the results indicate that physical exercise can, it can effectively increase the abstinence rate, which is good, ease withdrawal symptoms, also good, because that's, I mean, I, I, I have to imagine withdrawal symptoms are hell, and that's usually the motivation for going back to using, because going through that is horrible, right. and depression, and anxiety. So the physical exercise... Reducing. Right, yeah. reducing those. It doesn't increase those. Yeah. And they and they showed those were statistically significant too, which means that, you know, more than just chance that those improved. So the physical exercise can be can more ease the depression symptoms of alcohol and illicit drug abusers than nicotine abusers and more improve the abstinence rate on illicit drug abusers than others. Similar treatment effects were found in three categories, exercise intensity, types of exercises, and follow-up period. So the conclusion overall, and then we'll stop beating this drum, is that the moderate high-intensity aerobic exercises designed according to the guidelines of American College of Sports Medicine and the mind-body exercises like foot zoning or something <laughs> can be effective and persistent uh, and persistent treatment for those with a substance use disorder. So, like, I don't know 
if you need more evidence. So if somebody's looking at this from a clinical standpoint, they just say, ah, oh, no, the only thing that works is psychotherapy in my office when I'm giving you a cognitive behavioral therapy, which, by the way, is awesome. I'm a huge subscriber to but that. But that's not both. the only Right, exactly. right. Both. Why can't they both be part of that? Right. You know? I mean, and that's the thing, too, is like groups are great and therapists are great. But when you're choosing to be a part of a, a particular community like Addicts to Athletes, you're choosing to go and make relationships. And let's be honest, most of us coming into recovery, like we've lost a lot of those relationships, not just with our friends, but sometimes even with family members. And so people in that community start to feel like your family mm-hmm. and, and, the, and, they're the, and they're your biggest support system. I mean, even though my... My mom was one of my biggest support systems. She, she's never dealt with addiction. She doesn't know what it's like. It, it was really hard for her to understand. It took her years and years to even try to wrap her head around it. But it, she just wasn't my go-to person for my support. I needed people who were like me with the same goals to, to really be there for me when, when I was down with about anything, you know. So... I think that aspect is missing a lot of the time when we get out of treatment programs. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what's awesome because Addict to Athlete isn't a, isn't a treatment. It's an additive to treatment. Mm-hmm. So and, and, and again, like it's a ripple effect. So it's not just about the exercise. But the exercise a lot of the time makes us feel more confident. It makes us a little happier. It makes us want to eat a little bit better. It makes us, you know, get up in the morning and, and have something to go do and to be accountable to people so yeah i think the yes it's addict to athlete but again it it just turns into whole life well and even even if the other thing i say about that is okay therapist i might have a lot of clinical knowledge and skills and all these things that i do that i think help help clients know that i'm invested in them and help them through this process and and work on helping them learn you know, uh, tools, like think, ways of thinking or methods of, of emotional management, whatever it is, I can, I can do that really well. The thing that I can't do is offer a level of empathy that I think somebody who's been there and done that can. Like, I mean, I, all my, all I can do is imagine and base it off of information that my clients have told me. Sure. I don't, I can't, you know, I, I'm not going to become Jimmy to help Jimmy. So that's probably <laughs> not a good, good strategy there. Uh, I never, I didn't help Jimmy anyway. He was too toxic right that's the word of the day somebody should tell us how many times that stupid word's been used on this podcast toxic but anyway um the uh the the um i i think what the value of that is too is the therapeutic relationship has a beginning and ending like there is so when i'm working with clients i think that's part of the reason why they can talk to me in such a frank and honest manner is because they know that they can talk to me and all their information is like confidential which is awesome because family members, it's tough because if I tell you all my dirty, like dirty secrets, then I might burn a bridge that I don't want burned. So family members are sometimes like, well, why didn't you come to me? Cause I dig you and I want to, I want you to be in my life. That's why I didn't come to you. Right. If you just meet with some dude that's paid to keep your information private, tell them anything, but that relationship is going to end. Whereas these, these peer support relationships go way beyond that. And that's, that can be lifelong for that matter. Like, and, and they can be there in situations where a therapist cannot, you know, therapists have hours and they're brats and they don't accept calls at this time or that time. I mean, I'm not kidding. Therapists are great. I am. I can say, talk all the shit I want on therapists because I am, but I'm just saying that not when it's just a different ball game. And those people who are like 
there for you when you really need them. I don't think that's going to be a clinical therapist. I really don't. I don't think that's going to be. A I no, and I agree, and I and I think that there's, yeah, there's so many great things to therapy and seeing somebody one on one. And you know, I I went to therapy for years, and there were so many great things about it. The problem was, is when it was over, it was over. Mm-hmm. Like you said, like you're released into the world, and it's like, well, what, what now? So having that option while going through individual therapy and and giving you know that community to people and say hey as a transition as we're getting closer to the end of this go experience a few different things and and different things to where you can build a a support system because this is going to end that's (laughs) you know And, and and so that they have time to transition through it and see how it's going and they still have their their safe haven with their therapist does, did you want to? I don't know if you had more to say. No, no, no. I was going to ask them. Kick off on the yeah, how do you? So, how do? Oh, yeah. First of all, I know you guys have an event coming up, um, but if somebody were interested in this, how do they get in touch with you guys? So, we do have the Addicts to Athlete uh, Weber Chapter Facebook page. Um, we are planning to have an event Saturday, August 7th at 4 4 30. What? When? 29. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Uh, August 29th. August 29th. Yes. All right. Um, and it's, it's really a fundraiser, but it's also for people in the community who are just interested in addicts to athlete in general. So it's, it's open to the community. Um, where's that being held? Drew. Um, at Monroe Park. Classy. I know, right? (laughs) Yeah. Dude, that's, that's in the, yeah, that's perfect. That's in the right heart in the of heart. Ogden. It's I know, that's there you go. People can yeah. just walk on over. The good. heart of Ogden. Okay, so Monroe Park, August 29th at what time? Um, 4.30. P.M.? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what, what day of the week is that? It's, it's a Saturday. It's a Saturday. Okay. And we're going to have, like, the pickleball courts reserved. And we're going to have cornhole, like spike ball. Is there, is there a raffle? Yeah, we're doing a raffle. Okay. Um... Taking and donations, like she said. I, I think people, oh, I think a, people that would be trying to donate money would kind of want to know what it's being used for. Like, what a. So, we're just going to use it just to start, like, to get going. Um, we've spoken to Mount Ogden CrossFit. I don't know if you guys are CrossFit fans or not. I love them. <laughs> um, but, anyways, so they said that they'd be willing to let us use their facility, but obviously. You know, we have to pay to mm-hmm. use it um, at a discounted rate. So this would help with that. And then they also said that they would do, like, discounted passes for um, any of the people, like any of the athletes who wanted to actually, like, go work out more often than just when we meet. So they'd be willing to do that, too. So we offered to be able to, like, pay for part of their pass there so this would help with that sponsorship if they if they couldn't if if it's somebody new and who can't afford the entire amount you know we would you know take care of that sure but they don't but they they don't have so you guys also don't you have a half finished office in some office building yes somewhere also in the heart of ogden that 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 if somebody were were too intimidated maybe to come to a crossfit gym to work out or maybe they didn't have the funds yeah where could they go for free and just talk to you two gals so so all of the basically all of the um the meetings and the activities that we hold are going to be free 
anything extra maybe beyond that mm -hmm. um it, it might be a little bit of a cost to them yeah but for the most part like it's open and totally free so and if you guys obviously go for a run or something yeah like that, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. runs hikes um yeah all that sorts of stuff sure. um, the funds would also be raised to again sometimes people get into recovery with absolutely nothing so mm -hmm. if somebody needs some workout gear like whether it's tennis or shoes or yeah running shoes mm -hmm. or you know t-shirts a little bit of you know all, all necessary good good I, mean, I think people get skeptical about fundraisers sometimes because there's so many of these like GoFundMe's and different things for like yeah. the most inane things but like yeah the, the, the money for this would is 100% put into making sure we have a venue you know again Manhattan and CrossFit was generous enough to give us a discounted rate and let us use their place but you know they, they, they deserve to have yeah. some money to business and so yeah, and then and well, then, I was also trying to get around to that. Alpha, Alpha counseling, counseling yeah. has donated a room to you guys to yes. use at your disposal. Yeah, they're they're wonderful. Not us. I know, but dude, yeah. I was about you to know, get there, I know. I said, "Hey, where else in your half-finished office that's right across from where we're doing this right now?" Um, to, oh yeah, about off the CrossFit. <laughs> well, you asked about the money. Yeah, and you're okay. kind enough to let us use the room for free. Yeah, well, so no, we're happy that that's got to unghettoify it though, right? And that yeah. costs money. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yes, yeah. and yeah. they've cost yeah. us some money so far. Generously donated all of the supplies and paint and wonderful things to yeah. make it look, to make it feel, you know. Unfortunately, we haven't donated the labor, so yeah, uh, which is why we're lacking. But uh, it's a <laughs> <the> wall. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just kidding. Didn't uh, Drew? Didn't your, your your bow come and help? Yes. Yeah. Thank you. By the way. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's that's really you good. Basically so, did it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, hey, we're gonna go. We're gonna go get lunch at McDonald's. Yeah. <laughs> but only the one on twelve. <laughs> yeah. Only the no, one. No, that on one's two. horrible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you really so are a reviewer. Oh boy! Dang. My little boy okay. likes the Happy Meals toy. Yeah, just the toy. And then you guys have a Facebook page. Yes. What's the Facebook page? So it's Addict to Athlete Weber Chapter. And is it Addict to like T O or is it? Oh no, sorry, it's like the Roman numeral. Two eyes. Two. Yep, two eyes. Okay, Addict to Athlete Weber Chapter. Yep. Okay, cool. I think on Facebook it's T. Is it? Is it Addict? You better figure that I out. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. So Dude, I think hopefully. You know, I'm sure she's right. If you did you some variation of a Google way. search, you're going to figure it out. So they can get uh, contact with oh, you no, there. Oh, no. It's just that. You're giving people Weber County Addict. A2A. Okay, cool. Cool, cool. Awesome. So scratch everything after we said it correctly. Okay. Yeah. And is that uh, is Facebook the best way to get in touch with you guys? Facebook, um, yeah, we're going to have some bios up there here soon with a little bit more contact information. And, and then, then you guys don't have off. set days. You're going to set days for your regular scheduled meetings once after your kickoff event. Yeah, so the okay. plan is uh, September 1st for our first meeting and activity. Yeah. Um, it's Monday. It's a Tuesday. It's Tuesday. a Tuesday. Sorry. Yep, we're going to have more information on the Facebook page. So, on a, so that's the best place to go to to get updates on Everything. An addict athlete is is also it's a five hundred one c three charitable wait no 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 nonprofit organization. So any so this is just for all you rich folks out there. Look, here's what I'm saying: if you're going to make a contribution to anything, contribute to your community. If you have a problem with people that you know, like it, okay, the only way you're going to make your community better is by contributing to it. And these guys are 
trying to make this better. You don't have to come there and, and do a whole lot of stuff. I think if you just arrange for some contributions to them, um, monetary contributions, obviously you can use those for tax write-offs. Talking right? to all the rich folks that oh, listen yes. to our podcast. Yeah. There's, like, <laughs> there's somebody out there. Yeah. Who's like so One of you has money. He's <laughs> Yeah. One of them's rich in their own mind. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, buddy, yeah. you are the one who's going to yeah. donate. <laughs> so, yeah. so, yeah, come out there and, and donate to that. And I think, uh, yeah, I'll just keep plugging away and It'll get bigger and better over time. Huh? Absolutely. And yeah. even if, even not to donate, if you're struggling and you're looking for something to build a community or you're a family member of somebody who's struggling, even if they're not there, you're absolutely welcome. Yes, so. come on. <laughs> Except for Jimmy. No, Jimmy. <laughs> you stay Jim, home, bro. Jimmy's out of state. <laughs> yeah. His mom's <laughs> Anything else you guys want to add? See, it wasn't so bad, was it? That's all right. No, I haven't stopped it. It wasn't so bad, was it? It was terrible. So you guys will, will you guys come back again? Absolutely. I'll be less shy next time. Okay, yeah. Yeah, what's wrong with you? Okay, well, that's it, folks. Thanks for listening. All right, and that about does it, folks. Thanks again to Natalie and Drew for their time. We wish them the best of luck and hope to see you all at their event in September. Thanks again, Alpha Counseling, for providing us the forum to produce this podcast. And of course, thank you all for listening. I'd love to stay and chat longer, but I'm lying. See you next episode.